Welcome to the Voice of Many podcast show with Vanessa and Yolanda. Good evening. And our guest today is a author, speaker, inventor, life coach, and so much more. More importantly, she is a mother, a mother of four boys who are keeping her busy. But let's just say life doesn't always turn out the way you expect it. In doing so, she's going to tell us her powerful story, but how every story has a happy ending as well. Welcome, Miss Alina Hamro. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, Actually, always two girls. Just so okay. my, in case my girls ever watch this, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. So if you will, um, give us a little brief snippet of how your life changed in 2011. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my very long story short is on December 22nd in 2011, three days before Christmas, um, my family, there were, uh, my, and my three kids at the time, um, who were seven, eight and four, were um, visiting family back east for Christmas. We were living in Huntington Beach, California, and um, we were back home, back east, visiting family. And um, my husband, Brian, was flying to meet us. And um, unfortunately, two nautical miles from the airport, from landing, his right engine failed and his plane crashed and he did not make it. Um, yeah, and it was you know, the moment where everything I had counted on and everything that I had known or everything that, uh, you know, I believed in or whatever kind of changed. Yes. So that was the moment. Yeah. So, anything. Well, go ahead, Vanessa. I see you. So where did your motivation to continue going and get your kids to continue going to survive the grief? Where did where did you start? Where did I start? Um, great question. So um, it was kind of interesting. Um, I, I think a couple of things. One, it was a blessing they were young because they were still very dependent on me uh, personally, you know, for, for all the things like putting them to bed and showering and, and, you know, preparing meals and they were not independent. So although there was a ton of family and, and friends and support around, but they were, you know, they looked to me to, to do those things. So in a way um, I didn't really have a choice not to do those things. Um, or at least I didn't think I did. And, you know, maybe others find a way or, or can't. Um, but yeah. So I feel like that just feeling like I need to, I have to. And what was also interesting somewhat of a, weird, strange blessing is that it was actually at Christmas time. And, um, I learned even in those very first days of Brian passing, cause you know, we're all figuring out, Oh my God, like, how are we going to do Christmas? And kids believed in Santa Claus. And I was like, well, we can't have Santa Claus and daddy like disappear in the same year. So like quote the show go on and, um, you know, that morning, Christmas morning, when, you know, we 
under the tree and they were so excited still. And it really was interesting because it taught me a lot because they were just in the moment and they were excited about the present and they weren't Mm -hmm. thinking as much about, you know, they, first of all, they were children, so they didn't have the capacity to think about the whole thing, but it was also like in the moment, getting a gift is exciting. And so being able to appreciate that, um, even then. And so, I mean, I guess that's kind of like to your question where I began. Um, yeah, that's where I began. (laughs) Well, let me ask you too, how did you, with, with the kids, with the death, how did you handle the grief? Do you, at what point were you able to grieve? Because you had the holidays, you had the funeral. I mean, you had the New Year's and you still had the kids to get back in school. So how did, how did you find time or when did you actually have that time to, to grieve? Yeah, so um, they were in school. So all, all of them, all three of them were, were going to school. So it was very much, you know, kind of a drop and grieve. <laughs> Dropped them at school and um, yeah, there were a lot of tears shed on those drives home. A lot of conversations with my sister, Um, my sister, you know, I had a, my partner and my parents and my mom and my dad and um, about grieving. And also I, I reached out, I got therapy. So um, I, and honestly, what's interesting about that is that I actually sought therapy to, for me to help my kids because they were grieving and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know how to handle it specifically, especially the, the, the youngest one, um, the four-year-old. And so when I went to, to get help for him, thankfully, I met this wonderful woman, Debbie Della Cuesta who now we've actually become friends and colleagues and cause you know, it's been 10 years, but, um, and dad worked together, but in the beginning of our relationship, you know, she was like, put your oxygen mask on first. Like how, how is that flowing? Because if my oxygen mask wasn't flowing, then there's no way I could, you know, support the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, and I was, um, so just a little bit of background to, um, my sister had died very suddenly as well, also from a heart uh, complications from a heart condition, but I had not like you, you know, it's like you, every time grief, every relationship, like we talked a little bit before we began this conversation, mm-hmm. but grief is different. Like ev- for even the same person, the relationship makes a difference in the grief, but I, I had been, my sister was 20, I was 23. So this was 18 years prior to Brian dying, but I had been through that awful grief process. And so what was interesting, a lot of that healing I had done then almost like came flooding back. Like I had forgotten a lot of stuff, right? Like I had forgotten a lot of the work that I had done and, um, you know, I had come to peace and I, you know, but, and it was different, right. Losing a sister versus losing a husband. But, um, anyway, I feel like 
had a little training before we went into this, uh, to that, to that grief. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your book, Time to Fly? And um, how has that helped you also through your journey? Oh yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, so I, I, so the story of like why I wrote the book, I'll, I like to share that a little bit. And I, so, um, and I share a lot of like synchronicities and, um, things that happened, like, for example, um, when the day after Brian died, um, my brother and father went out to the airplane to gather all the gifts because the Christmas gifts were in the plane. And there was a gentleman who had contacted the airport and said, I would like to get in touch with me. And they asked my brother, said, can, you know, can I give this person your, um, sister's contact information? And he was a funeral director and he owned a funeral home, like down the street from my parents' house. And I just thought that was kind of odd. Right. You're like, why would some, somebody like reaching out for business? Like, are you searching the crash reports? Like, that's just weird. And my parents had a Catholic church and we were going to do everything through them. And, um, but my brother's like, no, I really think you should call him. And so I call him up and he's like, Eileen, I'm a pilot. I landed a half an hour before Brian was supposed to land. I heard him in the pattern, which, you know, calling out to air traffic control and I want to pay for all the funeral expenses. Mm -hmm. And then I, we wanted to have a celebration of life. And we wanted to, I was like, I don't know where I want to have this thing. And then Al's colleagues set me up with this um, uh, museum in downtown Baltimore, the Baltimore Museum of Industry. And Brian was a serial entrepreneur and it had a twin engine plane hanging from the ceiling. And I didn't even know that place existed. And all of a sudden it's being offered for this celebration of his life. And I'm like, okay, I have a pilot funeral director. I have a celebration of life venue that completely matches him. And when the woman was asking what we might want to serve for food, he, he she was literally saying Brian's favorite foods. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Excuse me. What heck is happening? Like, who is planning this? Like. I was in hell and yet I was completely taken care of mm -hmm. and I experienced. So I would share those stories and I would share more and it, they kept happening. And even months later and people are like, Oh my gosh, I mean, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. And so I'm not a writer. I have my MBA in finance. I like spreadsheets. <laughs> and so okay, fine. I've heard it enough. I'm listening. I'm listening, you know, to, to the message and fine, I'm going to write this book. And so I started writing my book and I think even, um, but I didn't write it like I would write it. And then I would hire someone to help me write it. And then I'd put it away and I'd, then I'd be like, I'm going to write that book. And I'd write, you know, it was like years. And, um, and I actually, I didn't even know why I was writing it. I was like, I'm not a grief mm -hmm. counselor. Why am I writing this book? Whatever. I mean, it was like a journey. And then, um, and like, who am I to tell anyone about grief? Cause girl, I mean, I've made girl ladies, I've made all the mistakes. Like I'm not, a, I'm not an, you know, I'm not an expert griever either. So I'm, um, I've definitely, <laughs> you know, made some wrong turns and, um, 
but anyhow, so fast forward, uh, one friend of mine said, really, it's just your story. Like people want to just hear your story, like read it, write it like a memoir. And I was like, oh, I can do that. Um, I can write a memoir. <laughs> um, and um, I can, you know, that feels like an authentic expression. So again, fast forward, um, I'm, I'm like meeting with someone yet again to write this book and I'm now remarried, which is not what I was planning on including in the book. Cause I thought, you know, I was like, oh, this is my grief story. And I was, and I was meeting with someone I was remarried and I was actually pregnant again. And I was like, oh my God, this is the story. It's the whole story of how I get from December 22nd, 2011, which was the winter solstice, which is the darkest day of the year to ironically, which I didn't know at the time I jumped in Zach's birthday, which is the summer solstice, June 21st, the longest, brightest day of the year. How did I how did we get there? Not just me, but how did my family get there? How did I get there? And obviously I wrote it from my perspective because it's a memoir, but, and I never asked Mike if he even wanted to be in the book. So I went home that day and I was like, dude, are you okay? If I like, cause you know, it's a love story, but it's a love story. Like, you yeah. know, it, it wasn't all, you know, champagne and roses. Um, I was like, I got to include it all. Cause I was definitely not, you know, going to put a book out that wasn't the truth. So yeah. And then once, once I knew, and, and then it was just like, I hired this wonderful woman, Christine Fadden, who helped me write it. And it was like off to the races. So that is wow. long answer um, to that book. How did that out? But yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, can I thing? so when you asked me how that contributed to my healing, mm-hmm. um, what was okay? Because I, I actually think whether whether um, if people are grieving, whether you want to write a book or not write a book, or whether you feel like you're called to write a book, because there was definitely like I needed to write this book. I, it was not going to let me go. But um, and I got to the point where I was like, well, if one person is helping one person, then then my job will be done. But um, but really, the one person that you know, if I was the one person and I didn't necessarily expect that, but in writing, mm-hmm. you slow down, right? You slow down to write mm-hmm. and you about, you know, one of the ways that I grieved, which I had, I had grieved and processed and come to peace and made meaning in many areas. But then when I had to actually articulate it and remember, honestly, like, what was it like when I arrived at the airport. Like, what was it like when I had to tell the kids? You know, what was it like when I met Mike? Like, what was it like? And I was like, I had to go to all those moments, good and bad, and actually use words to articulate them and put them in a book so someone would actually want to read them. And um, it was feeling. And I actually, what was really probably one of the most surprising pieces of that is like, I actually had a lot more compassion for myself in the process. Mm. Um, Cause I, most human beings are really hard on themselves. And I was yeah. like, wow, I mean, that was hard. Like, <laughs> you know, that was like no joke. 
Like, you know, you, even though you have all you need and, you know, I'm one of those positive people, <laughs> like I am that. And, and, you know, that was really hard and you, yes, you made mistakes and you, it's okay. Um, so yeah, compassion and forgiveness and for myself, especially, but also for other people that I journeyed with. Um, it was, yeah. So thank you for letting me share all that. Oh, this you're more than welcome. Well, what, um, give us a few words of encouragement for someone who, um, may have just lost a spouse, um, even down to a child, because Mm -hmm. not just an accident, you know, we're in times where, COVID is really impacting a lot of people. Um, But what, give us a few words of encouragement from your journey that you want to pass on. Um, So I would like to say, um, it's okay where you are. So, I think a lot of times we don't want to be where we are. So we like make it wrong. Like if we're sad, we don't want to be sad. So we're like, we shouldn't be sad or, or in the opposite, when we're actually happy, we're like, well, how could I possibly be experiencing mm-hmm. happiness? Like I should be sad. Right. And dad actually, um, you know, br- brilliantly said to me one, one day during my grieving process, like Eileen, just be the way you are. And there is no right way to be, um, um, you know, when you're happy, be happy. And when you're sad, be sad. Um, it, it's the resisting of it all that keeps it stuck. Uh, Cause if you are sad or you are depressed, like that too shall pass, you know, it's so cliche and it might be annoying or irritating to hear um, because, you know, it's annoying and irritating to hear when you're feeling that way. And like, okay, if it's going to be passed, like when, and you know, you don't understand, you know, like, but um, emotions and feelings and experiences are meant to move through us. Mm-hmm. You know, we hold on to all of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There, I don't know. I could say a lot of things, but um, I think the other, only other thing I'd like to share. And I think it's one of the reasons I'm joyful about writing the book or just joyful about sharing it is that, Oh my gosh, can I'm so sorry. Um, one of the things I'd like to say, Oh, the, the thing I really like to share and I apologize for that break um, is that I could never have imagined or wanted the future that I ended up with. Um, And like what is possible for you could be brighter, could be bigger, could be more joy, more love than you ever knew. And I think in the moments where we're most hurt and most um, broken, right? Like Mm -hmm. those are opportunities to step in, to lean into it. Um, because leaning away, not like you have to lean into all the time, 24 seven, it's fine. Back up a little bit, but like lean into it. That is the opportunity. Lean into the, lean into the opportunity 
view it as an opportunity, mm-hmm. um, that that is a choice too. So I'll just be quiet. Um. Oh, you're doing fine. It's fine because a lot of times it's hard for us. We're like you said, we're harder on ourselves and being able to just forgive ourselves um, for the feelings that we are having that we're experiencing. And like you say, a lot of times when we feel that we're happy, you know, when we can be happy in a moment, we like flip the light switch and say, no, this isn't fair. You know, I'm supposed to still be in the grieving process, but life is not meant to end. It's always to produce a new beginning. Yeah. I think the other thing that um, to, 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 to consider the possibility of holding both at the same time, which is not something I even knew was possible <laughs> to be able to hold pain and, and joy at the same time, because just because you're joyful doesn't mean that the circumstance wasn't sad. And so um, that takes practice that takes, you know, consciousness and awareness and, and, um, but it, yeah, like it is absolutely okay to be happy and sad all at the same time. And we shared a little bit about this before the podcast began. And like, you know, my, my now husband adopted Brian's, um, children, you know, and that was one of those moments where it was a, it was a holding both at the same time. It was incredibly joyful that they were making this choice to be, you know, uh, children, you know, whatever children and stepfather. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were old enough to make the choice sort of, you know, but yeah, in general, they were old enough to make that choice, which is unbelievable. Like it's such a beautiful gift, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to choose that. It's almost like getting married and, and, and it's a beautiful relationship and it was wonderful. And yet right there on the other side of the coin was, you know, this wouldn't be happening if Brian was still here. So it's okay to be able to, to have both. Like you don't, you don't need to pretend that Brian didn't die or that wasn't sad. And you don't have to pretend that this isn't joyful because he died, you know, like you got to learn to be with both. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And every child needs a dad, you know? Yeah. They do. Right, Ms. Vanessa. So how can our listeners um, be able to get a hold of your book and learn more about you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm personally on all the social media platforms. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, much to my chagrin sometimes I like, sometimes I don't know about all that, but I am on there and I do, I do get on there and participate. Um, I'm also, I have on my website, which is my name, EileenRobertsonHammer.com. And you can reach out to me. There's links to find me there. And then lastly, the book is available anywhere books are sold. Uh, I've, uh, I've audio recorded it. So if you're not a big reader and you just want to listen, yeah, it's on Google play. I'm still working on uploading it to audible there. This book, ironically, was launched during the pandemic, which is, I think, total apropos for, for it. And, and, and we launched it on earth day. Brian was in the solar energy industry. So, uh, getting anything uploaded on audible during the pandemic has been a challenge, but we will, um, 
but it's there. And if you have any trouble finding it or whatever, you know, want a copy, I can mail you one, whatever. So, uh, yeah. We'll definitely make sure all of your links and everything are posted for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the work you guys are doing and, and uh, sharing and contributing the way you guys do. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It's a lot of work and I, I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You're but we get to meet great people like you. So it's it's so, so worth it. Yeah. So worth it. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us and telling us about your entire journey and about your book. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Us. <laughs> like it's more than me. <laughs> In my book. <laughs> Those of you who are listening, um, please don't forget to check out our social media web pages and please don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button as we don't want you to miss out on our special guests and our great topics. And we will talk to you later. Mm-hmm.